Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. Hey, that'll get your blood flowing. Pump it up. It's good to see everybody today. Looks like we got some folks on vacation already. Um, we just finished up a couple of weeks. Hey, it was so cool um, to be a part of the online campus uh, in Florida, as Vicki said, and to worship with you no matter where we are. So we were just blessed to listen to Matt and uh, last week listen to Dave. Didn't they do a great job uh, walking us through the story? And so it was just awesome. So just glad, glad that we can do stuff like that um, so people can stay connected even if they're traveling or perhaps sick at home. Um, <clears throat> so. If this is your first time here, um, we're delighted that you've come our way, and we're thrilled that you're here. And during this series, we've been actually hearing um, the stories of the people of Metro Believers Church, the family. And so today is uh, no different, and we're going to hear today from Roger Hayes. He and his wife, Tiffany, started attending about August of last year, September-ish. Okay, so let me get this mic for you. Let's give Roger a hand as he comes. Awesome. There you nice go, bro. Man. Yeah, he's like tall like me. Morning. Wow. As you said, my wife Tiffany over there in the pink, we have a little daughter named Alethea. It means truth in Greek. She's beautiful. She's eight months old. Love to say hi to you at any point. So I have to do this. Um, anybody who knows this can join along, but you know, it just makes sense. So the rap music behind me, right? My life be like, ooh, ah, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows what that is. That's cool. Anyway, so my story, um, hopefully it's one that glorifies God. And really that's what this is all about. It's about saying, hey, it's not me, it's you. Um, so really... I'm going to start off just very simply. I had something all written out, but here it is. It's going to be short. I promise it'll be under five minutes. Okay. So when I was a young person, I grew up in a home where my mom and my dad were married, divorced, remarried, divorced, married to different people, divorced. Dad married another person, lived in many countries, states, all over the place, many cities. And because of that, there was a lot of stuff <laughs> I don't have time to get into that really messed me up. Um, you know, is God truly love? All those questions come up, right? And so, to make a very long story short, I had to come to a place of decision in my life, and it was, is this God thing real? Is Jesus real? Is this thing that my parents are saying is, is true? Um, and long story short, yes, yes it is. I had to go on a long discovery. I, I rebelled hardcore um, because, you know, why would I want to follow the thing that these people are not demonstrating well in a lot of ways in my parents. Um, and so I was able to surrender my life to Jesus because I saw in him a perfect father, one that was better than my earthly father. I saw in him all my weaknesses being fulfilled. My strengths came from him, and he met me in a very powerful way. And to kind of fast forward, I had a call into ministry then. And like many, I ran from that call. I said, God, I'm, I don't want to do this. I'll do my own thing. I'll lead Bible study groups. I'll, I'll help with Crusade for Christ. I'll, I'll do all this other stuff, but I'm not going to minister. I, 
I saw how that hurts people, and I don't want that. And so I did my own thing, and I was in college, University of Akron in Akron, Ohio, and things weren't going well. Um, it, was, it was hard. It was a hard take. So basically, God had to meet me yet again. And through an awesome circumstance and an amazing spiritual thing that happened, um, I finally surrendered. I said, God, I will lead your people. Forgive me of my selfishness. What do you want me to do? And from there, it, it just this is where the story takes off. It's all about God and his faithfulness, his goodness. And basically, through a crazy circumstance events, I went to seminary. I got a master's of divinity. At the same time, at the age of 22, I took on a full-time pastorate in the Methodist church. And I took on a church that people wanted nothing to do with because it was a problem church. And I went through the ringer in those couple years. And I mean, it was just like one thing after another. People were trying to get me kicked out. Um, you know, they're coming up with false stories, said I was involved in the porn industry. I mean, you name it. It was crazy, and none of it was true, of course. I mean, just craziness, but yet God through it saw me through it. He saw me and, and, and eventually my wife, because I met my wife in that time, through that hardship, and, and we blossomed and flourished. From there, we moved on, and we went to Washington, D.C., and got involved in a house church ministry up there. And then we moved back to Ohio and started a church up there. But man, it was hard. I didn't take a salary. And, and so I went from one job to another and saw, you know, this company I worked for wasn't being honest and they didn't have integrity. And so I had to quit. And I, I started a, a construction business. My partner ruined our, our finances and, and we fell apart. And I mean, it's just one thing after another, what would seem like failures. But really, God was faithful through it because every single time we had nothing, God gave us everything we needed. Yes. Every financial piece we needed, every time things were dismal, God provided. And it was just constant. And that's the story. God's constancy, his faithfulness. He says, you are my child and I love you. I'm not going to leave you, forsake you, abandon you. I'm here for you. And so we moved to Wisconsin after that two years ago, helped pastor in Assemblies of God Church. And everything was going great until they said, hey, we don't have any more money to pay you. I'm so sorry. The house that you're living in, the parsonage, you have six weeks to get out of it. Good luck. Not quite. It was, yeah. it was something like that. Tiffany was pregnant. Um, her dad just died. Her grandpa died. Wow. We had six weeks to find a place to live when we didn't have jobs. In a very short time, God provided a place to live. We moved on faith. He provided jobs for both of us in the secular world that provided all of our needs. My car broke down. A check came in the mail that day to pay for the exact amount of my car breaking down. I mean, one thing after another, God is faithful. Yeah. And he never gives up on you. Yes. I am a little over five. I'm so sorry. Here, I'm going to just end with this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to end with this because if you really want to know more, I'd love to share it with you. But man, God is so faithful and we have to stick to it and be perseverant because he's maturing us. And here's my life verse for you. My life verse is this. It's James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. It says this. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, whenever you face trials of various kinds. For the testing of your faith produces in you perseverance, which must finish its race, making you, me, mature and complete, lacking in nothing. We're on a race together. Run it with God. He will never leave you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yes, sir, buddy. Um, This is a little loud. I'll just put this over here. <laughs> okay. So it, remember that's on your keyboard. Okay, Melissa? So, wow. I love this stuff. 
I love to hear the stories of God's redemptive power, amen, and how, how he comes through even when things look bleak and are difficult and all of that. Um, thank you so much, Roger and Tiffany. Uh, we love you. You're a part of our family. We're glad you're here. We're trusting God to lead you, and whatever that looks like in the future, we're for it, okay? Um, so, <clears throat> if you don't have one of our outlines, please slip up your hands, and our ushers will get you one, um, so you can keep a, a, a few good notes. Uh, we would really love to hear your story. If you are sitting out there thinking, you know, I really should share my story in this story, um, time that we're doing together. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to get you on the schedule. So stop by the information center. There's a list back there and you can sign up to do that and we'll find a place to plug you in between now and the end of the year. So just as a reminder, we're asking you to do four basic things. Please do not grow weary as we go through this. This is the word of the living God. I said, this is the word of the living God. And when you dig into it, life comes, okay, in every dimension of your life. And as Vicki said, don't forget to upload the selfie this month during April. Um, we had some people do that. And the winner this month is Jordan and Alyssa Smith and family, okay? They, got, they get the photo, I mean, the gift card. And uh, they're not here today, so... Uh, they're on vacay. Um, also want to remind you of your assignment. It's in your notes right there. Read Joshua 1.9 and uh, discuss this question. What changes in your life do you need to make in order to be more strong and courageous? As I said before, I'm going to go back and finish Joshua, okay? We encourage you to join a study group as well. If you're not in a small group, please get in one. It's great to sort of break it down, talk about the Word, learn some more things together as a group. And then last but not least, come to church. Come to church. Don't just sit at home, you know, and, and do your thing. Come to the family of God. The Bible says that we don't forsake ourselves coming together, right? There's something special about being together with parts of your family. So do that. Do that. Today, we're going to finish up chapter 7. Now, we, we started it in, in back in April. <laughs> Remember this? <laughs> Some of you do. April 8th, as a matter of fact, and then we had the, the notorious ice storm on the 15th, and then I was gone for a couple weeks, and here we are, okay? So I apologize that we're kind of jumping back and forth. But we will get back on track uh, next week, not because it is what? Mother's Day, okay? It's Mother's Day. So uh, you don't want to miss it. Mother's Day is a very special time here at Metro Believers Church. And next week will be no different. I have a special surprise for you guys, okay? So um, we are going to dive in today. The book of Joshua is one of the defining moments, if you will, think about this, of the Old Testament. And this Old Testament book, I believe, is in the Bible to remind us, to remind us that our best days are ahead of us. <laughs> How many of you believe that? Come on, y'all. How many of you believe that? Your best days are ahead of you. And if you didn't know this by now, when you signed up to become a Christian, 
um, you found out that you're in a battle, right? And sometimes that battle that you're in, you know, sort of so overshadows where you're at in life and your faith, you kind of wonder sometimes, like, God, <laughs> are you even here? Or did you go on vacation, you know? Um, but, but I'm here to tell you that God is very much there. We have the upper story and the lower story, and hopefully you've been finding out as we've been walking this out, um, the difference between the upper and the lower stories. Um, I know it's becoming more clear to some folks. They've told me that. Um, but you're in a battle. You've got all sorts of battles. You, you have the very fact that you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and the enemy, Satan, doesn't like that. He doesn't like that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, when you signed up and you said, I'm, Jesus is my Lord, you got a big red target on your back, right? Um, just, just for that, just the fact that you're a child of the living God, um, you have a target on your back. Um, but here's the deal. Listen to this. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus speaking, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to its full, or according to the NILT, give them a rich and satisfying life. How many of you want that? Golly, only three people want that? How many want that? Come on. All right. So here's what I found out, and I, I really want to share this before I jump into Josh, um, is the fact that one of the, the things that, that the enemy wants, one of the, most ma the major battles of our life as Christians that we face, is he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and one of the primary things he wants to steal is our joy. Did you hear me? I mean, you just think about it. You think about when you're walking in the joy of the Lord, what things look like. Like, like uh, um, Lance was talking about, as we worship God, it takes our eyes off of all the, the, the stuff around us, or as Dave said the other day, the crap. I don't know if that's what you said or what. Um, I didn't say that, just so you know. But Dave or Matt, one of them said that. Uh, so, so all the stuff, um, around you, you know, and before you know it, your joy, the, the joy of the Lord is sucked right out of you. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, you need to protect your joy. Because if he can get your joy, he can get your strength. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he wants to steal your joy because he, he wants to steal your strength. And when he does that, you just feel like, quite frankly, giving up. It's like, is this stuff even worth living for? Come on. So, so protect that. So he wants to steal your joy, and there is battle that rages within us. I mean, there's battles that happen. There's things we face, like Roger was talking about. There's things we face that are right in front of us, and, and things are somewhat going well, and all of a sudden the bottom falls out. Let me give you a verse that um, is very important for you to remember, okay? You need to write this on your hand or you know, put it on your refrigerator or in your car. First John 4, 4 says, um, little children, and that's us because we're God's kids. You are from God, that's us, and have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Did you hear me? The greater one lives on the inside of you. So like he was talking about, all this stuff went wrong, but somehow, but God, right? Everyone say, but God. You know, all this stuff happening, but God, right? Always remember that. When things are going wrong or sideways, always just stop and say, but God. 
That simply means that God has a right to come in and change those things, and he is faithful. Amen? So we can believe that together. So the greater one lives on the inside of us. I mean, nothing can stop you. Listen, if the, if the, if the sea couldn't stop Moses, if the wall couldn't stop Joshua, if the giant couldn't stop David, if the tomb, death, couldn't stop Jesus, then nothing can stop you and I from fulfilling the will of God on our lives. Come on. Amen? Nothing. I mean, every single one of those people were people just like you and me. Not, you know, special and had a special anointing on them unlike us. And we've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Come on. And if if these guys could do what they did, Old Testament covenant, certainly, certainly we can do equal to or greater than in the New Testament under the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Redeemed by the blood. Listen, God's for you. Did you hear me? God is for you. Matter of fact, it's there in your notes. God before us, Romans 8, 31, if God before us, how many of you know God's for you today? If God, not just three of you again, how many of you know God's for you today? Come on. If God before us, who can be against us? Literally translated, it says this, if God before us, who can successfully be against us? Because we know people are against us sometimes. They may make things bad for us for a season. But in the end, we're coming out of that. Amen? And they won't succeed. (laughs) Amen? So, what a great Bible verse to remember in our lives. And I just, um, I just locked up my computer because I got so excited, you know? (laughs) Sorry. I hit the wrong button. All right. So, as a child of God, you and I have... um, divine power that's available to us. How many of you know that by now? We have divine power that's available to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not, what? We're not waging war according to the flesh. Now notice the terminology here, war. That means we're in a fight, in a battle. The battle begins. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not, you know, AK-47s, AR-15s, 9mm, 45 They're not weapons of this world. They're not the weapons of the flesh, but they have, everyone say this one word, what? Divine, that simply means God or godly or or. or the Holy One, okay? They have divine power to destroy strongholds. Listen, church, we're not alone. We're not alone in this. God is with us. Please understand that. When you, next time you feel alone, you just stop and allow Him to just fill you with His presence and acknowledge Him. He said that You know, if we would trust in the Lord with all of our heart 
and lean not unto our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, he would direct our path or make our path straight. Just remind yourself, I'm not alone. I'm not alone here. I'm not alone. I don't fight with weapons of the flesh. I fight with divine power, weapons that have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now notice, these battles that we face are very real. And I have a question. Are you willing to fight for what is yours according to the promises of God? I mean, you can lay, how many of you, um, if I busted in your house and tried to steal your kids, those of you that have kids, would just sit on the couch and continue watching TV? Hmm? <laughs> how many? How many of you would, no matter my size, my background, how many of you would do something to try and keep your kids? Sure you would. You'd fight for it. It's worth fighting for. Your kids are worth fighting for. You'd do something. You'd have a dog bite me in the leg or something, you know? Whatever. So here's the deal. Are you willing to fight for? Joshua was willing to fight for what he believed in and what God told him to do. Battles are very real. Let's watch this quick video.
some of you may feel like you're not winning the battle right now. Whatever that may look like. Whatever that might be. It could be eating issues. It could be porn. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be selfishness, bitterness, resentment, fear. Being held on by your past. And you don't feel like you're winning the battle. But if you'll stay the course, listen to me now. If you'll stay the course, if you continue to pursue, you will prevail. I said that last time, but I'll say it again. You, you can't give up. We'll never quit. I don't care if it's been going along for a decade or something or more. God is still in the miracle working business. Amen? And he is still sub, are able to change things, things that you can see. The Bible says are subject to change. Just remember that. So as we continue in the book of Joshua, it's a great example. It's a great setup. The book of Joshua introduces us to this seven-year period of history that shows us how the children of Israel were brought out of the wilderness and into the promised land. I mean, did you know that God has a promised land for you and I, I? I said this last time, but I'm going to say it again. He has a promised land that flows with milk and honey for you. I mean, you may not be living there without circumstances and problems that pop up, but God will take you through. He'll help you slay some giants. Amen? I can't wait till we get to David. Talk about an incredible message. He'll, he'll help you slay some giants with a few stones and a slingshot. How crazy is that? God wants freedom for you. He really does. He wants you to be free of some of the things that mess you up constantly. Which brings us to the battles that Joshua had to fight. And God, during this season and period of time, God granted him incredible favor. God, God actually told Joshua how to fight and win. He, he faced more than... 20, everyone say 20, 20 major battles. I'm not talking about, you know, a, a little mix-up in traffic or something. <laughs> or, I'm talking about major battles here. And uh, with some of the most barbaric harmonies ever assembled. It, it's, I call it the Joshua generation. Come on, somebody. The Joshua generation. I believe God wants to raise up a new Joshua generation here in this city and in our church. Is anyone for that? Does anyone want to do that? Does anyone want to see that? A new Joshua generation. I mean, people who, who actually aren't afraid to stand up and do what God's called them to do. Now they're taking responsibility because the baton has been passed. It's the Joshua generation. You're not afraid to fight for what you believe in. You're not afraid to do what's necessary to get the job done. You're not afraid to stand in faith and not fear. It's called the Joshua generation. I'm here to tell you that I believe God wants to raise up a brand new breed of Joshuas or Joshuettes. 
Yeah, so during these seven years, the three Hebrew children, or the, I'm sorry, the Hebrew people were untouchable. They engaged in so many different battles. They were victorious. They inherited over 10,000 square miles. They had unbridled success. Um, it was somewhere around 1400 B.C., which you can see uh, on your map, 1406, where it says Joshua and the timeline, okay? And uh, after they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, God spoke to Moses' protege, Joshua, and said, hey, let's get the job done, right? Let's get the job done. I mean, evil was booted and hope was rebooted. Um, it was an extraordinary season for the history of ancient Israel. The book of Joshua is a history book, but it's also a theology book. It reveals the mind and ways of God. And I said before, my favorite part of the book of Joshua is the first chapter, because it tells us how to approach a, a battle. It tells us how to get ready for a battle. Joshua 1.9 or excuse me, the beginning, one and one, Joshua 1, 1, one and 2, I'm sorry. Um, it says, after the death of Moses, servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Everyone say that. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to their Israelites. So God basically had to come to Joshua and say, you know what? Mo is dead. Josh, it's your turn. Okay? Moses is dead. The baton has been passed. Now get up and quit your whining and let's get moving. We have work to do. We, listen, I'm here to tell you that you have work to do. As a child of God placed here in this, this city, in this region, you have work to do. God didn't save you just so you could wallow around in comfort and not do anything with your life and gifts. He's put stuff on the inside of you. And, and one of the most persistent and powerful enemy things that the enemy uses is the past. Is the past. We've all struggled with it. We've all had difficulties with it. But the past, and, and Joshua, in order for him to do what God had called him to do, had to let go of the past and embrace the present. Listen, let me just make a few statements here on the board. Um, so you can see these for yourself. I've mentioned these before, but I think it's very important for someone to hear this today. One of the greatest enemies of our success in the future is the success of our past. Sometimes we're so caught up in the good old days and the glory days and, you know, those kind of things that we don't really, really enjoy what God has in store for us. Another one is when your memories outweigh your dreams, you're stuck in the past. All right? Your memories outweigh your dreams. You're stuck in the past. When the past seems brighter than the future, you're merely existing, not living. Your present and your future will be determined by how you handle the past. When you're stuck in the past, you die a little more each day. And last but not least, forgetting your past is a choice, not a feeling. These are all things that we've got to realize when, we, when it comes to our past, both good and bad. It continues on in verse 3 in Joshua 1. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong, verse 6, and courageous, because you 
will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong, verse 7, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all. Underline those in your scriptures today. Underline obey all. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right nor the left that it may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8. Everyone say verse 8. This, this verse will change your life right here. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. What does that mean? Oh, day and night. Keep it in your mind. Keep it in your heart. Mutter on it. Deal with it. It's like a, like a cow chewing its cut, you know. <laughs> Just keep chewing on it, right, to extract the nutrients. And so that you may be careful to do. Everyone say to do. To do everything written in it. And then, everyone say then. And then you will be prosperous and what? Successful. Anybody want that? Listen, this is God's word. This is not some get-rich-quick scheme. God wants his kids to be prosperous and successful. Just like you, parents, want your kids to be prosperous and successful. Vicki and I love it when we get a call from uh, our kids with a great report or something's cool or, you know, they got blessed got a bonus or a raise. We just, yes. You know, we don't say, well, they shouldn't get that. They don't deserve that, you know. No, come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about. And God wants his kids to be prosperous and successful. Now, notice there's just three things here and, uh, in Joshua 1.8 that I think you need to remember, and I've broken it down to, in a simple way so that you can. And some of you have heard me say this before. Let me say this, if you've heard me, you've been around here a long time, you've heard me say things over. Um, first of all, review is good for you, okay? I mean, if you think you retain everything you hear and you're walking in it, I don't think so. Second, there are new people here all the time, and they deserve to hear it too. Amen? So remember that. All right. So I've come up with this little thing called say it, think it, do it, Okay? Say it, think it, do it. It's the new redemptive STDs, okay? All right, all right, we're redeeming the word, all right? Yeah, it's a redemptive STD, right? So say it, think it, and do it. That's what Joshua 1.8 is all about. It's really talking about speaking it out of your mouth, reading God's word out loud out of your own mouth, speaking it, and then meditate on it, think it, and then walk in it to do it, then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. So don't blame God if you're not, okay? As a matter of fact, I've written this in the front of my Bible years ago. Glenn, this is what I've I've written. You can see it if you want to. Glenn, if you're a failure, it's because you're too lazy and complacent to be a success. Right, Ken? That's right. So it's, it, yeah. All right, verse 9, and we'll finish this up. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice, 
The Lord tells Joshua three different times to be strong and courageous. I think he's trying to make a point, right? He wanted to give Joshua some key ingredients for a successful battle. He wanted to help Joshua get on, you know, the winning side, the winning track, okay? He was trying to get Joshua's attention to stop being an emotional wreck and to realize that if he was going to succeed in life, if they were going to win the battles they were facing, that he had to write this down, be strong and courageous. Write that down in your notes. God wasn't telling Joshua to go down to the local gym and pump it up, okay, and strong and courageous. He was talking about his internal attitude. He was talking about um, his external attributes. He knew that if, in order for Joshua to accomplish the task at hand, he was going to have to get him out of fear and into faith. And that same is true for us. We've got to get out of fear and back into faith. So I believe God is calling us as a church and you as an individual to be strong and courageous. You need to write that down somewhere. You can see it every day. Be strong and courageous. Ephesians 6, 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might or the power of his might. So we become strong by hearing and we become courageous by doing. That's how it works. Become strong by hearing and courageous by doing. Now let's talk about how to be strong as we, next few minutes here. How do we become strong? First, feed on the word. Fill in that blank there if you would. Learn to feed on the word. Just like the physical body craves food, learn to crave the word. Okay? Learn to feed on the word. The Bible says in, John, in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why well, pay attention to God's word? Because Proverbs 4 tells us, my child, that's you, pay attention to what I say. That's his word. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring what? Life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Number two, spend time with God. Spend time with God through prayer. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, who, who, whose, foe, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord. What will you say of the Lord? I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On him I lean and rely, and in him I confidently trust. For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence. Listen, learn to spend time with him. Learn, learn to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You know, get away, spend some time, pray, talk to God just like you talk to anyone else. Ask Him to fill you with His presence and fill you with His Holy Spirit. He will. Number three, guard your heart. That's how you become strong. Guard your heart. Listen, I read it a little earlier. It says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen, don't allow cynicism and pessimism and being cynical, you know, and, 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 and all that stuff that gets on the inside of you, bitter, angry, you know, frustrated, disappointed, heart, you know, heartbroken. Don't allow that to get inside of your heart. It'll cause your, your heart to become hard. And we don't want a hard heart, right? We want a tender, 
heart. How to become courageous, last three here. How to become courageous. So that's how you become strong. This is how you become courageous. See, courage is doing the right thing at the right time. Learn to act on the word, just like Joshua 1.8 said. Act on the word. Be a doer, not just a hearer. We know that the Bible teaches us in Matthew 7, if you listen to the word and don't do anything with it, you're a foolish man. But if you listen to the word or hear the word and you put it into practice, you're a wise man. Be a wise man. Be a wise person. Be, be someone who hears something and, and, you know, do it. Act on it. Because if you don't, you're fooling yourself. And it's really, really difficult. You come to church and you think things are supposed to change just becoming, because you come to church. But if you're not acting on the word or becoming a doer of the word, it doesn't happen. You get very frustrated and you think God's against you. But we all know that if we do what God said and we hear something, listen, when you hear something that you know you're not doing, say, God, help me become a doer of this. Don't say, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. No, no. I'm Irish. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't be like that. I'm, I'm Jewish or I'm Irish. I'm this or I'm that. No, don't do that. Just be asking God to help you. Number two, do the right thing at the right time. As I said before, courage is the ability to do the right thing at the right time. Don't be afraid to obey God. Amen? Don't be afraid to obey God. And number three is right along that line, make a commitment to radical obedience. That's the courage part. Be strong and courageous. That's the, the strength and cur courage part right here. Matthew 14 says, Lord, if it's you, remember Peter's on the, on the, in the boat? And Jesus is walking on the water, and, and, you know, Peter says, you know, tell me, tell me to come if it's you. Tell me to come if it's you. And Jesus said what? One word. What did he say? He said, come. <laughs> and then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Wow. I mean, have you ever tried that? You ever gotten out of your boat on Lake Bedota? And try to walk on the water? No, because you don't have Jesus' come. Because Jesus' come gave Peter the ability to walk on the water. Not calm weather, okay? Because Peter saw the wind and he became afraid, the Bible says. What are you seeing that's taking you out of the game? What's, what are you seeing that's taking you out of the fight? What do you got your eyes fixated on or focused on that's causing you to lose your focus? And lose the, the very fact that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And you get your eyes on the wind or this circumstances, this circumstance, and before you know it, you begin to sink. Listen, Jesus wants to help you walk on the water. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> he will help you if you'll keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Now, application. I'm about done. The worship team can come up. Let's talk about the application now. I believe God wants us here in the city, Metro Believers Church, this church, your home, to make his name known in this community, which he does through people, okay, out in the marketplace, doing what you do and being the light 
being an example to people that you come in contact with of integrity and character and love and compassion. And I believe he's inviting us to be strong and courageous as we face the giants in the land. Did you know there's quite a few giants in, in Madison? I don't know if you know that or not, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We don't have to be afraid. And he's also, also inviting us to embrace this giant vision that God has given us as a church. To be willing to fight for it. To be willing to participate in it. Listen, the bigger the vision, the bigger vision we have for Metro Believers Church is to make God's name known in this greater Madison area. And then a couple of weeks ago, I gave you some specifics that we want to walk out over the next 10 years. Besides what we do normally, besides winning people to Christ and making his name known and reaching people and being, you know, in community together and growing ourselves and doing outreaches together, besides all that, everything we do, I believe in the next one to two years, we want to develop a culture of prayer at Metro Believers Church. How many of you know the importance of prayer? All battles are won or lost by that. And so I'm asking you as individuals of this church to make prayer a priority and to come together in corporate prayer. We have them once a month, first Saturday of every month, to come and pray together. Over three, the next three to five years, we're, we're going to trust God for two services here on Sunday and to launch an east side campus. And in the five to ten year, we're looking to move into our own facility so that we can use that for other things throughout the week on the, this west side campus. So my question to you is, are you up for the battle? Are you up for the battle? Are you up? Are you willing to fight with me? See this come to pass. To do your part. To take responsibility. To realize that the baton has been passed. You know, there have been people have been praying in the city for decades, perhaps centuries. And we stand on their shoulders. We stand on the shoulders of a thousand generations. And God is passing the baton to us. He's saying, will you do what I've called you to do here in this city? Every church has a specific mandate and call. We have one. So the baton has been passed. Are you willing to fight for it? Last verse, Joshua 24, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If that's you, and you feel a part of this vision and part of this church, I want you to come up here and worship with us for just a few minutes. Let's stand together. I just want you to come up as a, as a statement that you're willing to be in the battle and help this church succeed 
and win the battles that we face. If you want to know more about Life Lessons, check us out online at MetroBelievers.com or write to us at Metro Believers Church, P.O. Box 45702, Madison, Wisconsin, 53744.